0: You're listening to Up Your Brave on RCR, Reality
1: Check Radio.
0: Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to the Up Your Brave show here with Natalie Cutler-Welsh on Reality Check Radio. And next, I'm talking to Derek Rennie, all about emotions. Emotions are energy in motion. And we're going to talk about working with your emotions so they can't work against you. Welcome to the show, Derek.
1: Hey, thank you, Natalie.
0: So good to have you here. I'm so excited to learn a bit about your book and the work that you do. For those people that haven't met Derek before, a little bit of background. Derek was born in Scotland at the age of nine. He came to New Zealand with his mom. He was New Zealand Intermediate Champion Archer at college. Very cool. He studied medicine in Otago, leaving nine months into his first house surgeon year in 1979 to focus on spiritual process work primarily through conscious connected breathing until 1992. A highlight of that period was spending time with Babaji in the Himalayas. He also brought the first Reiki trainings to New Zealand in the mid-80s. From 1992 until 2016, Derek worked primarily in network marketing with nutritional companies. He's been teaching ketogenic diets since 2010, after switching from 35 years of being vegetarian and vegan. What a journey. Excited to learn more about that. With his wife, Sally, they homeschooled their two daughters and traveled the world from 2017 to 2018, meeting up with the girls in various places. Derek published Light, Love, Laws, and Lies in November 21, subtitled Simplifying Life's Lessons So You Can Liberate Yourself. LIBERATE is an acronym for Life in Balance, Expanding, Radiating, and Touching Everyone. He woke up early to the COVID deception in March 2020 because he already understood the ongoing lies in diet and climate. Since then, he's been working to bring awareness to what humanity is facing. Ooh, I am so thrilled to be talking to you today. I think it's synergistic that our paths crossed a few weeks back. Um, There's so much I want to ask you about what we just... What I just read. But before we do that, let's paint a picture of where you've come from in more detail. Tell us a little bit more about your backstory, the journey that brought you here.
1: Right. Um, Well, probably a big part of it was the decision to leave medicine. And I wrote quite a bit about that in my book. And um, basically, it came down to two things there's the whole idea that we're motivated by pain or pleasure. And uh, most people are motivated uh, to avoid pain rather than gain pleasure, so we'll tend to avoid pain pain a lot faster than we'll shoot for pleasure. And uh, the pain I could experience in medicine, I just had, I just found out I was um, I became terrified of the potential of hurting people. And I saw a massive potential to do that. And I've certainly seen that played out in the last three years. I couldn't believe what what doctors ended up doing the last three years. Uh, But anyway, and so that was the the avoiding pain piece. The pleasure thing was I was getting more involved in my spiritual process, doing a lot of meditation, having some really deep experiences. And um, that, that just really drew me more as the journey I wanted to to move on believing that uh, all disease was really in the mind and that we had a deeper part of ourselves to connect to, to be real and live a whole healthy life. Really,
0: Do you think that more doctors will wake up, more people in the medical space will wake up, you know, in the next few months? I mean, do you think we're going (laughs) to see kind of, I'm so hopeful, exponential (laughs) awakening? (laughs)
1: Well, if they were going to wake up, they should have woken up before now. Mm. And the only reason they're going to wake up, or at least be seen to wake up, is if they're forced to. No, if if Winston can get through his idea of doing a proper investment royal commission on uh, the COVID journey, because the one they had set up um, had no teeth in it. it, wasn't designed to look at anything that had any impact at all, really. So, you know, yeah, I think uh, the doctors that uh, have stood up have just, you know, you talk about up your brave, they were brave people. They, they yeah. sacrificed their lives in terms of their livelihoods just to stand out. And uh, there's not many doctors have that level of courage.
0: Because they're giving up a lot. I mean, I get that because I come from a very, I don't know if you know, a very medical family. Yeah,
1: You're a surgeon, right?
0: Yeah, that's yeah. right. And, my, yeah, and my, my uncle's a doctor and my brother-in-law's a doctor and my sister's a doctor.
1: What um, happened to you, Natalie?
0: <laughs> you know what? I was like, I don't want to be, a, I did not want to be a doctor or marry a doctor, <laughs> interestingly. Because um, I know they work really hard and I know they've invested yeah. lots of money and time to do what they do. So they have a lot to lose in terms of, well, credibility, I guess, you know, and that kudos that comes with being a doctor, um, as well as everything they've learned, you know, being turned upside down. That's, that's the other thing that I think that's what's keeping them from being awakened. It's too big, maybe.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But that's the same for anybody, whether you're a doctor or a plumber. It's like, can you face the reality that we as humanity is facing where we're basically being led down a track, uh, that doesn't end well for us.
0: While we're on this path and before we get into emotions, where mm-hmm. do you see things going?
1: Well, it's that, um, it depends on whether we can head them all off at the pass. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that old Western movie, you know, head them off at the pass. Yeah. And, uh, cause basically it's easy to see where they're aiming. If you look at, uh, read any of um, Klaus Schwab's books, The Great Reset or The Great Narrative, uh, it's very clear where they're heading. They want to shut us down, stop Western um, industry. It's all moving over to the East, uh, basically, collapse the economies, limit people's movements, uh, get them to stop eating meat, which is a big thing for me since I started, restarted eating meat and realizing how healthy it is. Uh, and shut us all down in 15-minute cities. So massive amount of technocratic control. So that's the Great Reset. So that's one path that we could possibly go down, and that's the path that they are actually determined to take us down. But then there's the option of the Great Awakening, yeah. which is we wake up, and we have to wake up to the lies we've been told over the last decades and centuries, right from what is a healthy diet to where on earth money comes from and who's in charge of that process. And uh, that's a big journey and it requires, I say a democracy is only as good as how well informed the populace are. And if the populace has been lied to and have believed those lies, then the populace really can't decide what's good for it because it's been told what is good. And those, are, if that, what has been told is all based on lies, then all it can do is agree with the lies they've been told and um, go along with it.
0: Until comes a time when there's so much pain, you know, bring in mm-hmm. COVID, such that more of the populace realizes the deception and the lies they've been fed their entire life um including their parents you know and beyond yeah yeah um and tr- and suddenly sees the wh- whole world through different eyes
1: yeah yeah and that's that's where will we have time to get there
0: <laughs> right because in <laughs> terms of what did you say cutting them off at the past the numbers are growing you know the popula- the, yeah. the percentage of the populace that is mm-hmm. awakened or realizes we've been mm-hmm. lied to and of course you know there's variations of that person mm-hmm. right there's yeah. some people that are like oh, the mandates were a bit over over the top, or the government's not really well-intentioned, there's those people. And then there's more like spiritual, you know, there's a big spectrum of how awakened as such people are. But either way, more and more people are starting to realize there's been a level of deception. And so do you think we have enough people to turn it around? I do. (laughs) What do you think?
1: (laughs) Well, it depends whether I'm in an optimistic moment or a pessimistic one.
0: (laughs) What about a realistic one?
1: I, I don't I don't know anymore like um I seriously don't have a, a a realistic concept of that. I think a lot has to change and it has to change fast. And the powers that I call them the powers that shouldn't be mm-hmm. uh, they really I think they've been pushed they're pushing the envelope really fast, and I think the speed with which they push wakes up more people. So I think that that uh, goes, you know, bears weight on our side. Um, but the willingness of people to see kind of drags that, adds weight to their side. That's basically, people become are really seriously unwilling to see. Mm. Because as people, we'd rather just go along with the herd. Yeah. You know, the, there's that idea whether we work as a pack mentality or herd mentality. <clears throat> and I think we would do a bit of both.
0: I remember that pivotal moment for a lot of people, you know, you said things need to the things need to, are going to speed up really quick, but for some people it's the languaging or phrases and there'll be a moment when people go, Hey, wait a minute. This feels wrong or something doesn't feel right. And I remember that Jacinda speech. Remember when it was the single source of truth speech? And yeah, yeah, for yeah. a lot of people that was really, you know, in that moment, they realized this is sounding very totalitarian. This is, wait a minute, hang on a second. You know, and that speech where she said, you won't be able to go to the movies, you won't to get your hair cut or whatever. I think was was, um, you know, it's when people feel that pain, you know, they kind of wake up and realize, oh, hang on a second. What will it take for more people to realize? I guess it's kind of pain or discomfort in their own life before, before they really realize.
1: Mm. Yeah, well, I mean, I think Jacinda's working on a, another speech Yeah. that actually is going to impact us more. And that's the speech that says that this speech, you and I talking about these things yeah. online, will not be allowed. And if they get to that point, we're in serious trouble. And so, if we can wake enough people up before then, so that likes coming through next year. It's already in, in the UK, and uh, and Jacinda's working hard on that. You know, as she said, she didn't have enough energy to um, <laughs> any gas left in the tank, but she seems to have plenty of gas left for um, for more um you know censoring free speech then yeah and seeing free speech as the the bane of humanity it's like well sorry but that's actually what got us to where we are now
0: yeah and she swapped over to, to electric,
1: electric. <clears throat> <laughs> say that again
0: you know she said that there was she didn't have enough you know in the tank and i i just made a little joke that she swapped over to electric
1: <laughs> oh, <right.
0: laughs> um Let's talk. I'm really curious about, we are going to talk about emotions, but I'm curious Mm -hmm. about the vegetarian vegan thing and the swap to the keto diet. Um, because obviously there's a lot of listeners who will, will be doing the keto diet. We've got a lot of listeners. Mm -hmm. I imagine who will be vegan and vegetarian. Um, I was vegetarian for 15 years. My husband's been vegan for the past six years or so. He was paleo before that I've never done keto or really a, a diet ever other than vegetarian in my life. But um, what was the turning point for you that made you change gears on that?
1: Um, Well, I I thought I was doing all the right things. I mean, I I thought that was one thing I thought medicine had right when I was a young doctor, because I went vegetarian while I was in med school. And I thought the move towards uh, animal fats were bad for you and uh, plant foods were good for you, was a good move. And I believed that for decades. And um, in my 50s, I was uh, it happened like about a year a year or two years apart when I was fifty one I started to get some inflammatory signs in my body. I would um uh, I would uh, get uh, blepharitis. that's where you, your basically eyelids you know get all pussy and I used to have really long eyelids I think part of the aging process your eyelids close up or shorten right. and mine were like an inch long like it would look like a cow wait you are
0: talking about eyelashes
1: if we do this. Eyelashes, yeah. Okay. So blepharitis is where you get um, the, the, um, the, the follicles basically exude um, some kind of um, stuff. So basically I w- I'd wake up in the morning, because I had such long eyelashes, they would be gummed together. Oh. The, st- the top eyelashes would be gummed to the bottom eyelashes, and I'd have to you know clear them out before I could actually open my eyes. And uh, so that was the first sign of inflammation. And then I started getting rosacea and a lot like, um, pustular rosacea on my face. And I pinned that down to things like coffee and um, some chocolate and, you know, things like that. And um, uh, then when I'm 53, I get uh, testicular cancer and I ended up having an orchidectomy, which is a lovely-sounding operation, an orchidectomy, but it's basically having a bolt cut off, Mm. and um, and, uh, some... Radiotherapy to the deep lymph nodes in my belly. to you know, it was a 99 success rate, five-year success rate if you just did cut the testicle off, or 99 if you did the mild radiotherapy because a seminoma that it was is very susceptible to mild radiotherapy. And so, I did that. And uh, partly for me, that was, I believe, it was more of a, an emotional thing because we had a massive uh, financial loss with our um, accountant. And there is a branch of medicine called German New Medicine. I don't know if you've heard of that. Yes, I mean one of our listeners
0: wrote in asking me about that. I'm pretty sure.
1: Yeah, right. So as a German doctor, and he actually had testicular cancer as well, and he pinned basically was looking at the emotional context of cancer or disease, and he pinned uh, testicular cancer down to a sudden catastrophic loss, and I believe he lost his son in a car accident or a sporting accident or something so um so but it could have been inflammation it could have been because i was wearing my uh, cell phone on my left you know left groin you know over that left testicle that got taken off who knows but i i personally pin it down to um uh to emotion um but when you get the cancer bone pointed at you at least when it happens to me you start questioning have i got have i got things right that i thought i had right mm-hmm. and um so another two years goes on and I'm 55 and my GP calls me in uh, to get a blood fat test and blood lipids. And uh, he says, you'll have no problem because he knew my history, being a vegetarian for so long, you'll be fine. Uh, a few weeks later, he calls me back in and says, sorry, <laughs> you're not fine. And he, he gave me a bunch of bits of paper that actually kept them. It basically said, eat less red meat and more whole grains and vegetables. And here I'd been vegetarian for thirty-five years. Yeah, <laughs> and that's when I thought. That's when I say, I I saw red at that point. I got I got angry and I thought, maybe what if I've got it wrong? Because he's telling me to do more of what I've already been doing. That makes no sense at all. And uh, so I, I say I ate a lot of humble pie, and I dug into. Um, I started reading things I haven't read before. And because basically the the truth in any area, whether it's diet, climate, or COVID, or the you know the source of the money supply, the truth is out there. It's just a matter of finding it and being open to look at it. And so I I, I was willing to change my mind. Uh, there was a, a book I used to talk about um, called A Diet for All Reasons um, by a doctor that talked about the plant based diet. And he talked about things like, well, our gut and teeth and everything will, will just look, you know, more like um, we're designed to eat vegetables. But when you actually look into it, our gut's more like a dog, and uh, we're more, we're in fact, we're more, more, more of an apex carnivore than dogs.
0: So, have you so seen with- massive health improvements since you did change your diet to more of a keto?
1: Well, I've always, um, you, you wouldn't think it looking at me, but I've always had a tendency to go fat and I come from an obese family, Um, and so struggling with weight has been a big part of my adult life, and I've been dieting since I was 14. Wow. And, you know, for a 14-year-old to be dieting, a 14-year-old boy in the 1960s, there wasn't many chubby kids around in my my class. And uh, so the main thing I found was that... um, handling my body weight was just easy all of a sudden and I wished wished I'd figured that out three decades ago or four decades ago because that would have made the remaining you know those intervening years uh, decades a lot easier and uh and the other main thing I noticed is mental clarity and um an emotional presence I was able to be more present with myself and uh so nothing major but Subtle, subtle changes are often the most major.
0: Mm, that's right. Well, those they do sound major. Being more present—I mean, that's huge.
1: Yeah. Well, that was that was my I was my focus for decades, and and being taught that um, you know meat made you angry, or you know, a lot of people you know think that you know meat's not good for you and it plays with your emotions. But to realize it was sugar that was playing with your emotions all along was uh, the big thing.
0: Okay, well, let's talk about emotions. Emotions are, and some people might have heard this before, energy in motion. And the focus of what you're sharing with us today is really around working with your emotions so mm. that they can't work against you. Yeah. Okay. Can you elaborate on that?
1: i like to add, it's not that they work with them so they can't be used against you either by yourself or by other people. Mm. And because uh, we're being manipulated emotionally massively by a media. And um, but basically the, I think the biggest problem people have with emotions is that they have good emotions and bad emotions. We think there are some that are healthy and some that are unhealthy. And' we've, we forget what our emotions are about. Their emotions are actually help trying to wake us up to something. And when it boils down to it, the main thing our emotions are trying to wake us up to is our needs. And if we're not allowing ourselves to feel our emotions, say that you have a judgment on being angry, then you you won't, you'll be afraid of being angry. Mm. And you'll feel guilty every Mm -hmm. time you're angry. And so you won't let it be felt by you. And when you don't let your fury be felt, then you don't find out something really important about you. Yeah. Which is what you're not getting at the moment, which is a need that is dying to be heard, That is being denied. And if you look at the need that most of us in the freedom movement are aware of at the moment, is it's a simple respect to be seen and to be heard. Because we're not getting that. And that that does make you angry, but it does no good getting more angry. It's like I think I overcome and says it pretty well, uh, where he says, well, you know, you need to focus on the data, focus on the information and bring simple questions. And I think, um, so it's, it's like we all need to look at what emotions we are, we have sidelined. Mm. And if we can appreciate that emotion is a, a signpost pointing in a certain direction, it wants us to find something that's important to us. But to the extent we've denied our emotions or won't allow them, that's the extent. You can't find out what your real real needs are, and therefore who you are.
0: So, would you say? Because I guess some people go through life more. I'm going to use the word disconnected. So they might mm-hmm. seem quite neutral because they're not yeah. like super excited or super upset, but they're quite. They seem neutral, and that might look healthy. But sometimes, and sometimes it is, if they're fully in yeah. tune with their emotions and and able to be grounded and present but not massively swayed okay but some people might look fine uh, but really they're suppressing emotions and not allowing themselves not not seeing the signposts to use your languaging
1: yeah yeah that's exactly it
0: and what is the implication of that
1: well if you don't see the signpost you don't know what your needs are and you don't know what the next step in your life needs to be Mm. you know that whole thing around um there's the idea of inspiration or motivation. Motivation is where you think you need to make yourself do something, whether it's to create a career or to, you know, do something, whatever it is, it's the, the, you feel like you need to motivate yourself to do that, whereas inspiration is, comes from being deeply connected to that spirit inside and seeing what path you want to travel on, mm. what's the important thing to be doing right now. Who do you need to talk to and uh, what do you need to be doing? So that's where we, the, our ability, it's not our emotion that's the problem, it's our ability to relate to them. So we have a problem connecting with our feelings and paying attention to them, letting them have, letting them have presence, letting them be inside us so that we can get the gift that they're bringing. And when you get the gift they're bringing, it's about listening to spirit. Because that's, I think, a big, I say that um, if we lose touch with our divinity, we lose our humanity. Our humanity. Yeah. And uh, so we need to remember our divinity to bring humanity to the fore. Mm -hmm. And uh, the humanity inside is a fully emotional being. And it's one of the things, uh, you know, my trip with Babaji, and, and um, there's a book called Autobiography of a Yogi I read a few times. Uh, had um, three separations from um, girlfriends, and each separation I would read that book when I was a teenager. And um, uh, there's a chapter in there about Babaji, the Yogi, Christ of India, and I ended up spending time with him in the Himalayas. And uh, I expected him, you know, part of me – Do you remember there was a? I know you're probably too young to remember it, but there was a TV sitcom with David Carradine. Uh, His his childhood character was Grasshopper. He was a Zen traveling Zen monk, basically, who handled all sorts of life's difficulties. And he was um, very much, you know, equanimity was his thing. Is like no feeling, just presence. And so when I went to see Babaji, expecting to see uh someone who was just you know love peace and joy and um blissful uh most of the time he was anything but he could be as furious as anybody can be It was like a it was what like watching a um like a five foot eight two-year-old having a tantrum <laughs> and he could he would whack people he would do all sorts of things and um and uh, I remember there was one lady who used to whack a lot—a lady called Bea. She was a German lady, and we—he had to carry a big stick, and he yelled and screamed at her as if he was furious, and he'd whack her on the back with a stick, and you could hear the him whacking her back, like a hundred feet across the field, because we were working generally in the field. We we're creating a, a garden down there, and uh, and then she used to just burst out laughing, <laughs> and he'd carry on whacking her, and and she'd carry on laughing, and. Um, and we, we asked her once, why, why does he? Why do you think he beat you? And uh, she said, well, when I was a child, my dad always used to beat my little sister. And I always used to wish he'd beat me instead. Powerful stuff. And so he was acting out that part of her. And then we said, well, why do you laugh every time he beats you? He said, well, when he hits me behind the heart like this, like a burst of joy just floods out of my heart. And it's like on the outside, Babaji looked like he's Fury incarnate. Yeah. But how he experiences rage is obviously different to what we do because what I saw was that he could be furious one second and he could turn on a dime and be laughing. And it just it would be the time it took him to stop looking at me and start looking at you, His personal, his persona would be totally different.
0: You think he was, um, so reflecting people's emotions, is that?
1: uh, Well, um, that kind of level of being, I'm not there yet, so I can't comment. But reflecting or just being with, using emotion to actually help people move, to help people touch something inside. I remember I went, I was married to a different lass at that point, and so we were there together, and I know he, he really got angry with her at some point and she just and told her to leave he was always telling people to leave and you know, throwing them right. out and um she had he thought she thought he had done something that she hadn't done and like basically going to work was a big deal and and she came down late cuz she'd been throwing up or something she said you know something going on and uh, she'd been at work and gone away and was coming back again and um and so uh, he he bails her up and says, No, you leave tomorrow. And then she walks away and she says, She felt this fire coming up inside her. And she says, That's unfair. And she turns around, and storms up to him, wags a little finger in his, his face and tells him what's what. And he says, Oh, oh, are you okay? You stay, you stay. And there was more to that. that I'm just condensing it, but it was just that idea that, um, uh, and that, that's how I, I could just see a, I've never seen a fully. Functional emotional being before, where he wasn't trapped up by his emotions. Like when we get stuck in emotion, we can be there for (laughs) some people can be there for decades, right? Yeah. And uh, but it can take us a while to get that that biochemical storm of the hormones and everything settled down so we can shift. But he was like he was like instantaneous, and so his experience of emotions was different to ours. So that's where I say it's our relationship to our emotion. That trips us up, and it's our relationship to our emotion that holds back the gift that they are, and what they're mm-hmm. actually trying to teach us and other people. And uh, it's a journey to be able to express like that. And I'm nowhere near mastering that, but and, and you have like you, around your 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 close loved people, like your partner, you will tend to be allow yourself to be seen to be angry that you wouldn't allow anyone else to see. So because do you way, find
0: people are often trying to maintain or portray a certain image or persona, or when they see other people, is that what you mean? When like they're only sh- showing, they only they don't show all the emotions to everyone. Is that what you mean? They're yeah. trying to kind of uh, yeah.
1: Keep yeah, up we have on. certain level of agreements. Like a, a marriage relationship, you're you're allowed to show more. Friendships, certain level of emotion depends on the friendship, um, uh, and. Um, Whereas going to see someone like Babaji, you're because you're, you're basically in, in a, asking to go to the ashram, you're actually signing up for that in a way. You're, in, you're a tacit agreement. How long were you there for? for? Uh, two months. Two, it was either two or three. Right. Yeah. and um, But um, I think the emotion that trips most people up is guilt. <clears throat> and we often hear this idea that it's either love or fear. You know, I think Gerald Jampolsky wrote a book called Love is Letting Go of Fear. He's a psychiatrist in the 70s and 80s, and he he, he worked with the Course in Miracles and stuff like that. <laughs> and um, But I, I think the core emotion that trips us up is guilt. And so I'd, I'd like people to look at that. And I think the reason most people don't show their emotion is that they're too guilty. Yeah. You know? There's good emotions and bad and, and bad emotions, right? So I've got to keep the bad ones under control. And if I'm going to be socially acceptable and not thrown out of the tribe, I'd better be nice. <laughs> so, be nice
0: or be seen so, to be nice. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so I yeah. guess just to summarize some of what you've said. So there aren't, you know, emotions aren't good or bad. They are actually very helpful, but we need to listen to them or acknowledge them and treat them as um a signpost. I think you said emotions are trying to wake us up to our own needs. Yeah, I think I've never really heard it said like that before. I think that's really, really great. And, um, you know, uh, my listeners have heard me say this before, but I have never experienced anger like I did in the past three years. Um, More more anger in the last three years than in the preceding however many, 40 or whatever it is.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, if you Um, weren't being furious in the last few years, you weren't being honest with yourself and you weren't being honest with what's going on.
0: Yeah. And I guess some people would want to suppress that. And even yeah. me, I got a lot of resistance when I did express that I got pushed back, not from myself, but from other people in my life. But Nat, you're so positive, but Nat, you know, you're like, you're, you know, you're not a skeptic, but Nat and telling me you know that it's not okay to be angry. It's so fascinating when we do have the courage to express the emotions that come our way, especially if they're different from our usuals or how we're known. Mm -hmm. the pushback that we receive either from external other people or even sometimes from ourselves, you know, judging like, Oh, I shouldn't say it. Oh God, what was I, and that, is that the guilt that people go through? They're like remorse of expressing their emotions.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, there's the guilt and there's also the, the awareness of and the practice of how to express that feeling in a way that works because most of us haven't had the, The experience of feeling angry and letting it be heard in a way that is, you know, works to get us our needs met, to get people aware of our needs and get them met. And uh, because you know, most people when they're angry as children, they get shut down. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, uh, it's not
1: about going. It's not about having. It's not about having to go back to the past to heal it, because your past shows up in your face in your present moment. You know. Because if you can't talk to someone honestly, then that's your past right there between you. Mm. So I say there's no need to to uncover the past. Just look at your present moment and Okay, what's going
0: on. so I love this. So, okay, so in terms of, if I've got people listening today and they're thinking, okay, I hear what you guys are talking about with the emotions. I would love to be more honest or more in the moment with the way that I am feeling. What mm-hmm. are some things people can do to get the ball rolling, especially if they're not used to, you know, doing that in their life in terms of Mm -hmm. acknowledging and expressing their emotions more accurately.
1: I think um, there's a guy called Marshall Rosenberg. He wrote, uh, did nonviolent communication Mm -hmm. and uh, he wrote a needs list and he was very, he's, he's probably the clearest person I've, I've heard on using an emotion to identify need. And so if you just um, uh, Google nonviolent communication or NVC needs list, you should be able to pull up a list. And then next time you're feeling a deep emotion, pull up that list and say, what do I need right now? And go through the list until you see your eyes settle on something that resonates with you. Mm. And it doesn't matter. There's a few categories in there. It doesn't matter what category it's in, but the idea is to find the need. And then the next step is to learn to express, and um, and that's as simple. You know, you may need, you may be so furious you can't speak, <laughs> but just being. It took me a while because when I was first learning to be with my anger, I'd often hit something or break something. And after a while of breaking things and having to clean up the mess, I realized I could just break something in a that I didn't want <laughs> in a bin where the rubbish would be tidied up already. I didn't because basically if you break something you like, you're immediately, you know, that's that's you know, punishing yourself.
0: That's the guilt. And then yeah. having to
1: clean it up is just proof of your guilt. You know, so we just run through all that. So just being able to say that I'm feeling really angry. Mm. That's a key statement to be able to let yourself be seen as being angry. I'm feeling really angry. I don't know what to do with it right now. I just I just need some time to find out what I need and want. So that's the simplest thing we can do when we're feeling that way. And and give yourself that time and because uh, and then treat yourself like it's not necessarily about getting people to treat you um, to meet your needs for you say so like for you know it's common the last few years the 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 need that hasn't been met is to be respected to have our views our thoughts acknowledged seen understood and respected mm-hmm. and so you're getting more angry about not being seen and heard because that's they keep shutting us down all the time no matter what we say there's always a reason to shut it down no that's not right and um no matter and so that you can't just get angrier so you've got to get better at um, using anger to help you uh, create ways of being heard and but uh, the fact that you've acknowledged that you you need to be respected, the key thing is to first respect yourself to not because there's a tendency is to doubt yourself and therefore to not back yourself up with the argument. And so that's what we all need to do is learn that our need is for to respect to be respected and to be heard. So then I need to first respect and, and hear myself. And what I'm hearing and thinking is this. And so, okay, so how can I share that out in the world? And to share that rather than get furious with people or demand other people change, like um one of the th- traps I fell into and um, last few years is demanding that good friends of mine who I just we no longer really talk together because there's this big elephant in the room we can't talk about mm-hmm. And as much as I've tried it's just not going anywhere so either I need to find another way to get around that or I just need to let go and and stop my um, my my emotional pressure on them to change because that's part of I saw that happen a lot with um, the elections people in the in the in the freedom movement were getting into different camps. Mm-hmm. And each each one had their own set of fears that said, if you don't do what I think we need to do, then we're not going to get win this election. We're not, and we're not going to move things and we're not going to move the needle. And everyone was lost in their own fears, demanding that the other people on their side change their minds to, you know, change a vote or whatever. Uh, and if they didn't do that, they'd basically were almost part of the enemy. And that's how we get lost in our own fears. And we, we, the, one of the problem with fear is we see it as a savior, and we we go on the bandwagon. Like Greta Thunberg is um, or Tunbury, whatever she, I can't remember how she pronounces it herself. I think she's Greta Thunbury, something like that. Um, you know, she's an afraid being, and. What a parent's, when a child is lost in a nightmare, the duty of the parents is to let the child know it's lost in a nightmare, it needs to wake up. It's all good. It's all good, Greta. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing's really to bother. It's a nightmare. So, and, and that's how we, we, we the world has been taken down this path and manipulated into fear. And then, then they think, "Oh, I'm I'm really scared of this, and I've got to be afraid of this because it's when I'm afraid of this, then I can, I'll make something happen." Because, and so that's what they t- they use the fear to actually, as, as she said, she wanted to make people afraid. She they want she wanted people to experience the terror she experiences because if they experience that terror, then they'll they'll make decisions that will change. And that's how we can all get lost in that fear. I saw that happen. You could see it with Greta really easily. But I saw it happen with um, people and uh, whether they were supporting NZ Loyal or NZ First, Mm -hmm. they were playing that same game that Greta does. Unless you agree with me and do it my way, then Mm -hmm. we're not going to get through this. So, yes, we saw...
0: A lot of fear-based, I would call it fear-based marketing in the last three years, but probably before that, if we start to look. And then also fear-based motivation, which is what that is. It's basically trying to motivate us to do things or not do things regards to the climate or whatever. And then in terms of the politics, trying to motivate us, you know, for fear of what could happen if we don't vote for this way or Mm -hmm. that way. But what it just results in is more, more division.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and it's because people aren't willing to feel vulnerable because they, they they feel a certain level of fear and they think they need to act to stop the fear, to stop the thing they're afraid of happening. And so the thing is to allow the fear to be, to feel vulnerable and see what the inspiration is to act rather than to feel you've got to act out of the fear.
0: Okay, yeah. Yeah.
1: So you need to, and then part of that involves getting the right information. We've been lied to about so many things. You know, you know, CO2 is good for us, right? It's plant food. <laughs> and we're a carbon-based being. We need CO2.
0: Well, we basically <laughs> need been, all the things we're told not to. We, we don't need
1: whatever yes. they're telling us, it's basically the opposite is true. And once you realize, and then then that 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 activates a bigger fear, is like, Wow, these guys have been lying to us for so long. What is their agenda? And it's like it's almost a sense of uh, you know, and that that's where we all need to deal with a degree of helplessness mm-hmm. because as, you know you said at the beginning, do you think there's uh, we're going to win? It's like I don't know. I don't know. I know. I know we need to head them off at the pass.
0: Yeah.
1: Will we? I don't know. And I know. See, I do know that um, China's been under communist rule for a long time. And I'm sure there's a lot of little Chinese people that um, hope that that would end soon, but it's still there. And so, when we realise the enormity of what we're up against, it can be severely. You have to really feel the betrayal that our, how 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 we've been betrayed, and how we are being betrayed by our leaders. And uh, but we also need to move through the helplessness to find out well. Babaji once said, have no thought for your life or your death. And until we get, because that whole thing, it it brings us face to face with other people are going to control my life Mm. and could control when it begins and ends. If they force vaccinations, whoa. So that whole thing, we all need to be willing to come to the point of realizing there's more to life than this body. There's more to life than this life or death of this body, and when we're free at that level, where we truly become non-attached. We can seriously act from a place where we'll hopefully create more more movement. Whether it creates movement in the in the ultimate direction we want by the twenty fourth of January nineteen twenty five, I don't know. <laughs> But it's that willingness to uh, to realize that you know life is um, life is precious, and there's more to it than meets the eye. And we and, and we need to see how we've been manip- how our emotions are being manipulated, but also how we need to live beyond them. So realize the ones that have us trapped. And if you really live from a point where you're not thinking about your life or death how you are socially acceptable or not then you're living as a freer being mm-hmm. and whether that creates results in this world or not in this time frame we don't know but it's a it's um it's the journey we we need to take on
0: to our beautiful listeners we would love to know what's resonating for you what is coming up what emotions are coming up Uh, When you hear us talk about these things, um, you can send us a text, 2057. You might have a question or maybe an observation or an insight you might want to add to the conversation. Or you can email inbox at realitycheck.radio. I'd love to ask you about your book now. So your book is called Light, Love, Laws and Lies. Mm-hmm. We've covered. A, I'm sure we've covered a little bit of it so far, but tell me more about um, what inspired that, and what it. What are one or two of the main takeaway messages you can share with us today?
1: Yeah, um, I've got a line I, I wrote down because I wanted to remember to to say it out. Is that we can handle the truth; everything else will drive us nuts. And that's, I think, what we're all dealing with. We we're being lied to, and so and that's about. It's about everything. It's not just about diet and climate and COVID and who controls our money source and all that stuff, but it's also about who we are as a being. Our religions have lied to us for generations and they each have different flavors of lying. And until we can wake up to the fact that maybe we're something more than what they think we are, they, we've been told we are. Like the classic Bible story, you know, you're a sinner. You know, Eve ate the apple, so that's where women get a real hard time because she was the one who ate the apple, right? <laughs> so, and, uh, and a lot of a lot of people have used that to be down on women for a long time, and so that whole idea that we're guilty sinners rather than uh, we're divine beings yeah. you know, having a human experience—that's. Um, we've been if, when we fundamentally lied to about stuff like that, it's about exploring who we are and that's that's what I did the book is really about my experience of life um from a repetitive nightmare I used to have about the light as a kid <clears throat> it was a nightmare that um I would just be in this beautiful light and it was um I was the light and the light was everything and it was It was just everywhere. There was nothing else but that light. And then on a certain time, there was almost a grumble would start first. It was like a nagging, and then all of a sudden, there would be a shrieking cacophony, and all that light would just go into darkness, and I'd wake up and I'd be screaming. I hadn't realized it was a nightmare I'd been having. I I thought I was having a real experience. And um, so I had that dream repetitively as a kid, and that – that led me on that journey of thinking, well, that light has felt more real to me than my experience of my body did. So that's what gave me the sense of that we're more than just this body. Mm-hmm. And so the book is really about my, my making sense of that and uh, realizing that, um, you know, it's about reconnecting to who we truly are, is what life's about.
0: I was just thinking and that, something. you know. I was just yeah. thinking what a great topic that would be in terms of a course or like even just a conversation that more and more people are so curious now, not just about themselves and their true path, but who are we really? Like who yeah. questions that they wouldn't have asked a few years ago. Yeah. We're ready for those conversations.
1: Yeah. You know, I was having them with myself. A while ago.
0: <laughs> You've been having them for a long time. A few of us are just yeah, new to yeah. the party.
1: <laughs> yeah, and then and then so then and then it's about sorting out the emotions. Um, so I go, I devote chapters to you know guilt, fear, anger, um, sad, grief, uh, helplessness, betrayal, all those things, um, and just my perspective on all of that, and what what the you know the pros and the cons are, what how they actually can be helpful and all that stuff. But also through that I weave in how we've been lied to, how we've been manipulated, mm-hmm. and the climate lies, the diet lies um so all of that is in the book and I was I was I thought I'd have it done and have it published in 2020 uh but then COVID hit and then I so I published the the um body so it was mind body spirit or spirit mind body was the sections in the book and um and so I published the body section as a separate book called Evolving Food Permits um which was because I I had that handled and thought well I need to see what's happening with the COVID drama before I finish the other book Inside so that's what I did. So and um so people can read those books for free. They're online on my website. Just go to diaregrenny.com and uh you can get links to them on the front page on the home page. So the the light love laws and lies is a book and evolving food pyramids. I've done it as a book and as a set of video modules. So if people if people would rather watch videos than they can with a PowerPoint presentation, then they can whip through that there and
0: Sounds good. So, all right. So I'm going to spell it for people. D A R A G, R E N N I E. D-A-R-A-G-R-E-N-N-I-E.com. Is that correct?
1: That's it. Yep. Yeah.
0: That's amazing That's because some people, for some people, this will have piqued some curiosity, some things they have kind of heard a little bit about, but want to learn more. Um, they can go and check out your book. Yeah. Um, What else? Oh, the other thing I was thinking, a little activity for people if they want to do it. I was thinking maybe bring to mind, everybody, bring to mind one or two emotions that you have been experiencing lately, whether or not you've allowed yourself to feel them. But what is coming up? You know, for me, like I've said before, it's anger with and then sadness would be number two for me. For some people, it might be guilt or shame or bitterness or resentment, or can you list off a few more emotions? Oh, probably some good ones. Happiness and joy.
1: Then <laughs> <laughs> there's jealousy and greed. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, they're all there. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, some people, its its you know, you shouldn't be that happy, right? Some people have a real problem with joy.
0: Oh, right. Like they don't allow themselves to.
1: Oh God, no, you can't be that happy. <laughs> right. Yeah, so interesting. Gosh,
0: I want to talk to you for ages. It's such an interesting topic. I so my, I guess I was thinking, bring to mind two top emotions, not your favorite Nothing emotions, good. people. These are the ones that keep coming up for you. And I invite you to look at the signposts. You know, what what are they showing you about your needs? Am I using the right languaging for your message today?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Although I would, I would pin it down to look look for the two emotions you have the most trouble with. Okay. Because if if you handle the ones you have the most trouble with, then you'll get the most mileage. Because mm. if you're comfortable with some emotion, you're not going to get a lot of mileage from dealing yeah. with learning to deal with that differently. But if you've got something you're seriously uncomfortable with, like anger, you're not used to that, um, or it could be grief. Some people just don't like grief, or they never want to feel like betrayed. Mm-hmm. So it could be you know it could be any of that, or it could be. <clears throat> Something like joy. And I do say in the book, I've got a chapter, our greatest fear is actually our fear of love because we're terrified of love. And if love is our essential nature, then we're essentially terrified of ourselves. And Because uh, the thing about love is it's the most vulnerable, making feeling out.
0: Mm.
1: And most of us don't like feeling vulnerable. <laughs> we like to feel in control. So it could be love that's the big problem.
0: It could be love. Interesting. Because mm-hmm. I was, when you said we are, what did you say? We are afraid of love. Is that right? Yeah. I was like, some people of, would be, but I don't know. That's quite a sweeping statement to say we are. But I guess many people are are afraid of love. Yeah, yeah. Right.
1: Yeah, because love, love knows. Um, <clears throat> uh, surrendering to love mm-hmm. means you surrender your life.
0: And potential rejection. Everything. Mm. So much to ponder. Let us know your thoughts. Twenty fifty seven on the text, Derek. I'd love to ask you my four questions. What is one thing you've done in the last year where you truly upped your brave?
1: Well, yeah, I think you've answering that. And the the thing for me is really, um, it's really for me. It's about being willing to listen. Yeah, you because know, it's. It's easy to come out and sort of think you've got it all right, uh, but to actually think that maybe you've got it wrong and be willing to listen to other people and to listen deeply so that you can get a sense of where people are really coming from uh, before before you make a, a statement. It's So it's the willingness to listen deeply, I think, is the... Uh, is a thing that I'm always doing more and then learning to listen to what wants to be said or what needs to be said mm-hmm. in that moment. It's always about that for me.
0: Amazing. What about the bucket list? Is there anything that you'd love to do, be, or experience in your lifetime that we can possibly help with?
1: Absolutely. Can you guess what it is?
0: Um, sell a thousand books? No, I don't know help people world to peace. to world listen to peace. the signposts
1: world peace the great awakening that's what i want to see yeah <laughs> I don't, nothing small for that just just uh, the world humanity needs to needs that we need to wake up
0: it's been a long time coming
1: it has it has and it's like a culmination event like this is going to go one way or another and uh I th- I'm putting all my effort into working it to, to be the great awakening because mm. the the potential for humanity is mind boggling when we get all the other stuff out of the way. I agree. Mm.
0: What about, um, you've already told us how to find you on the website. Let us know if you're on any socials and what is coming up for you in the next six months or so.
1: Well, I tend to, um, <clears throat> I tend to be on Facebook more than anything. Um, and then I've, I started up a Substack this year. So I think it's darig.substack.com. I can't remember if it's. Do you help people
0: like with their emotions? Like, is that something you do as a, as a coach or is it just the book, really?
1: Oh, no, I do. I, I was, um, I mean, that's what we used to do for work. Um, and I was planning on doing that. So I do some individual consults. And uh, uh, most people tend to come at me for um, dietary advice, nutrition. Mm-hmm. So I do that. Um, I am thinking about doing workshops, um, but the book—the book has been the main thing, and I, I think we're in such a um, such a pressure cooker situation that dealing with that is the key thing we need to deal mm. with. And so, in terms of what's coming up for me, is is basically life, and uh, the, I think we need to find better ways to communicate. Uh, to the, the mass, the wobbly middle, as VFF um, as, um, would say, the, mm. um, the people that have been lied to that are just beginning to wake up. We need to find better, simpler and easier ways of waking them up. Like kids who are terrified that the, the, the world's going to end in 12 years or whatever. You know, We need to re-educate them because the educators have have been diabolical in what they've been teaching our kids. And so, and I I think that's one of the. I think the transgender issue, the whole idea that you can choose your gender at some ridiculous age, I think that's going to wake up a lot of people. Yeah, and it's like once you wake up to one lie that people have been lying to us, uh, you can wake up easier to others. And so, but we need to, we need to push that somehow. And so, if um, for help, I would like people to. join together i'm I'm looking at joining with some groups to uh look at how to address councils for what's happening in council um but i think we need to get together in groups and get better at brainstorming things that uh, can actually push that envelope and tweak people's minds awake more yeah because some people
0: will be wondering like what can i do you know if i'm they might be thinking I'm, I'm awake or awake ish. What can mm-hmm. I do to help this process that Derek's talking about? It might even be some either conversation starters or even just some simple responses. Like it's so easy to not really go there with people, but if someone yeah. kind of asks, you can plant a seed, you know, or maybe hand them like a little seedling, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. th- they're kind of ready I think to learn a little bit more without shoving it in their face. Cause not everyone's ready to hear the truth yeah yeah sadly
1: yeah someone called it pink pilling people rather than red pilling people yeah a little bit of the truth that you think they can handle yeah deal with
0: amazing all right well if you think you can help derek with awakening the masses you can get in touch with him um is there anything else you'd like to share with us today about emotions or the awakening or any of the topics we've covered before we wrap things up
1: uh, I think the answer that I think well, probably the thing is that the answers are, are actually within us that once we get clear our emotions are helping us rather than hindering us, uh, and that to be awake to how they can be manipulated by other people, by media, by whatever, uh, and realize there's something there's something more to life than our feelings come and go. But there's always a core, that's there so that's where love joy and peace as a trilogy come together and that that's the piece we need to focus on and, and just really use that as a um uh, for a source of inspiration about where to take our next move because in life it's always about the next move what's next for me in this moment what do i need to be saying to whom mm. and how do i need to be saying it And you only can get that inspiration the clearer you are. Uh, It's like the um, if you look at the emotions as a stormy sea on top, uh, but the depth of the ocean is where the stillness is. So it's while the while the storm is brewing, it's being connected to the depth, so you can speak through the storm to the calm.
0: Well, I would love to see more of the trilogy. That sounds good. Love, peace, and joy?
1: Joy. Love, peace, and joy.
0: Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with us today, Derek.
1: Thank you, Natalie. It's been a delight.
0: And thank you, everybody, for listening.
1: You're listening to Up Your Brave on RCR, Reality Check Radio.